0: Keep your Bibles open at John, uh, John, uh, one Timothy, two Timothy, three. Uh, we'll be looking at a number of different places through the Bible, but we will come there on a number of occasions. Uh, as Tiffany said, we're going to be talking about the Bible's authority today. I'm actually looking forward to it. But I, let me ask you first: How do you feel about authority? I ask because I think most the most common reaction is to think uh, about it negatively. Uh, and it's because there are plenty of examples and experiences of that uh, in our lives or that we've seen of authority that's been used wrongly. It might be by the leaders of a government or by someone you've had to work or study under or even by someone you live with. When power is used to suppress or take advantage of or harm people and that's not right, uh, It's right to be upset about it uh, because it's sin having its way. Sinful people acting out their abandonment of God and His authority using power that they've been given to serve others to serve themselves. But then also when we're thinking about authority, there are other times where you and I would just rather be our own authority. Uh, The government has authority, doesn't it? And they still haven't put the M4 speed limit up from 80 to 110 at Northern Road. Your boss, perhaps your teacher, has authority. And they're hassling you with deadlines when you've got other stuff going on. And when you were a child and mum and dad had authority, how annoyed were you when they told you it was bedtime And you thought you were going to miss out on something going to bed before them. And all those examples, they're all examples when those using their authority are doing it to meet their responsibilities responsibly. Now, if we weren't in the heat of being frustrated at the time and we're thinking more about uh, others than just ourselves, we could list good reasons why this or that authority was doing what they were doing with their power. And at that point, that's the third time I've mentioned power. Maybe that's the easiest way to think about authority. The government, your boss, Uh, your teacher, your parents when you're a child. They have the power and the right to make choices and shape our choices. Uh, But they have that because of some responsibility they've been given to do something good for us and for others like us. So 80 still on the M4... Uh, There are still workers coming occasionally uh, that need to be protected, so 110 is too risky for them. Deadlines to meet? Without deadlines, we can't work with each other to achieve our shared goals. And children have to go to bed early? I barely need to say it, do I? Otherwise they'll be feral the next day. Authority goes hand in hand with responsibility and it has to be given with it because without it, whoever has the responsibility is left powerless to do the good thing that they've been entrusted to do. And so whatever your initial reaction is when we raise the, uh, uh, the, the notion of authority, let's remember it in its proper place as we come to the Bible and its authority. Now we're in our third week in our uh, Bible series on the Bible where we've been zooming in on one of the 10 key beliefs that shape who we are as a church and as Christians, beliefs that we emphasize because of the prominence God gives them in his word and the first two weeks of this series were really establishing how confident we can be about the Bible as God's word, that God spoke it, And that it's reliable. This week and next we're going to see some of the effects uh, that that will have on how we treat it. So let me read you again the summary of our belief uh, about the Bible. The Bible, Old Testament and New, is God's revelation to us. It is God breathed and infallible as originally given and has supreme authority in all matters of faith conduct and experience. Scripture is sufficient for knowing God and his plan. It is not only central to the well-being of the church but is able to thoroughly equip the Christian community for life and godliness. Now that's everything together, let's uh, highlight what we're looking at particularly this morning. Uh, The Bible, let's see the orange come up, yep the Bible, can you see that? has or supreme authority in all matters of faith, conduct and experience. When you believe that about the Bible, it is life-changing and life-shaping. And indeed many of us here have had that very experience. But certainly not everyone agrees with us, not everyone agrees with it. In fact, even among people who recognise the Bible has authority, they don't agree on to what extent or the part other authorities play in the mix. And on top of that, we still sin. When it suits us, we ignore God's authority and are very good at justing ways of subverting His Word, if in fact that were possible. So our starting point today to think this through is going to go back to even earlier than when the Bible itself was written because it goes back to the creation because it's God as creator that He is our supreme authority. Uh, Whether you read it in the first chapters of the Bible or the many times it's repeated throughout the Bible, it's actually God's act of creation creating the world and creating you and me that comes with both responsibility and authority. Have a listen to what the angels around the throne of God say in Revelation near the end of our Bibles from Revelation 4 verse 11. You are worthy our Lord and God to receive glory and honour and power For you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. In the very act of creating, God has taken responsibility for his creation. But just as he has the power to make it, so is its creator, he has authority to rule over it. Actually, as a little aside at this point, it turns out that all authority in our lives is a gift from God intended for our good whether in our families or our work or our community, and was written into the creation before sin itself distorted it. Authority and having to follow it, it's not something that came into the world because of sin. So listen to the link that Paul makes between authorities and God's authority in Romans 13, verse 1. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities... For there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. End of the aside. The key here that we're looking at is that God, as creator, is therefore the supreme authority, with the right to decide what's right and wrong, and how we should treat him, and the consequences for failing to respond to his authority. What's fair and just and right, it's decided by Him. Now, if we'd skipped over uh, creation and started with the Bible is God-breathed, we've certainly uh, heard that said before in the last couple of weeks, that would make the link between God and the Bible but would have left his authority and where it comes from assumed. But now that we have made that explicit, now we can see his authority as creator, uh, his authority comes as creator. When we see that the Bible is his words, we can see the link that the Bible is our final authority. And so remember we looked at 2 Timothy 3 verse 16 two weeks ago, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Here's another passage we've touched on before, 2 Peter from chapter 1 verse 20 Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And so, what do we hear in these words? It's that the Bible is God's word, meaning it comes with His authority. Our son Josh has been uh, doing Air Force cadets for a number of years up at Glenbrook, just up the way. But last weekend, as part of uh, that, he met the Governor General at Admiralty House. Uh, COVID meant we didn't go, but what struck me in the lead up to the event was the preparation that the cadets were given beforehand. They were told, as the Queen's representative, the Governor General has the authority of the Crown. So, you treat him the same way you treat her. Uh, he comes with her authority. He, I'll spare you all the details, but it basically boils down to when he says jump, you say, How high, Your Excellency? Uh, So when the formalities were over last week and Josh thought he was having a casual conversation uh, with a few of the cadets, with the Governor-General and they got on to him, Josh, that is, studying music and playing piano, uh, it all took a bit of an unexpected turn for Josh when the Governor-General said, well, there's a piano over there, you should play it. And all of these... Well prepared cadets are thinking they knew and Josh realised it too, he'd just been given an order by the crown. And so he did play. It's a bit like that when we read the Bible. But the Bible doesn't just represent God's word to us, it is God's word to us with all of his authority. When we hear his word, God is speaking to us Now another reason 2 Timothy is such a wonderful verse is because it expresses how God's authority impacts us how his word is our rule for life both teaching us how to live and correcting us from error with this result that well verse 17 begins with the words so that which is a signal that the results Are about to follow. So let's have a look at it again. Uh, All Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God, that's you and me, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Our God rules by his word the author of our lives has authority over our lives they go together now one quick thing here the bible doesn't claim to speak into every area we can know about the world it doesn't claim to be the final authority on say physics or the arts or mathematics though it certainly claims that the one who created them all and gave the world its order is the final authority overall But it claims that what it has final authority over is knowing God, knowing ourselves, and knowing how he's brought the two together. Which, you know, I don't have to tell you is no small claim, of course, but as you read the Bible, it informs and reforms our worldview, our understanding of the place we take in that world, In response to God. Now we've together talked about many occasions in the past about how Jesus is both the model of obedience to God the Father and the one whose obedient life frees us from death for life. Likewise we see Jesus uphold the Bible's authority. Uh, let me just pick out a couple of uh, quick examples for you. Uh, at the times when he was questioned by those who thought themselves a higher authority than he was. Uh, one of those, you might remember, was when he was tempted by the devil in the wilderness at the, uh, at the outset of his uh, public time teaching. Uh, for example, in Matthew 4 verses 1 to 11... Uh, The devil tempts him in the wilderness, and what is Jesus' response to each temptation? He quotes the Old Testament Scripture and follows the Scripture. Or when he was quizzed by the religious leaders about marriage and the resurrection, what did he say? And this is in Matthew 22, verse 29. You are in error, he says to those who are talking to him, because you do not know the Scriptures or the power of God. And then he goes on to quote the Old Testament scriptures as his rule, and for them to have it as their rule as well. Where, as in Jesus we meet God himself, so in Jesus we're shown the authority of God's word. In fact, as in Jesus we meet God himself, so in Jesus we're shown the amazing way in which God uses his authority. Where he uses it for good. And to show us mercy. Now, of course, you can find that in any number of places in the Bible. In fact, really the whole Bible, but let me just pick out two uh, occasions, both from the book of Romans, uh, the letter to the Romans, Romans 5 verse 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Or Romans 8 verse 28, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. As in all salvation history, as in all the mighty works of God, so too the very words of God are given to us as good and for your good and for my good. Even the parts we may feel uncomfortable with, or are just downright ignoring. As we hear that the Bible is the final authority in knowing God ourselves and how he's brought the two together, he is challenging us this morning to submit to his authority, to hear and obey his word, investigate it, Certainly, wrestle with it, of course, but ultimately, we're called to hear, believe, and obey it. The wonder of the Bible's authority is that it is a good gift from God for our benefit. It reveals Him in all His wisdom and goodness, and it's personal, it's not a book of rules, but of relationship. Our God is inviting us to receive and experience the transformation that only he can bring and he doesn't exercise authority in the same way we have seen it abused. Abusing authority is the mark of sinful humanity, of a humanity disfigured by sin of a humanity that we share that requires Jesus' intervention to redeem. God exercises authority and his word comes to us as an act of his love. Let me take you back to 2 Timothy 3 verse 17 again. All scripture is god-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness, so that the servant of god may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. As i said a short moment ago, the bible will it will have an incredible impact on us. And you you may have noticed uh, through what paul says in these words, the bible teaches us what to do but it also teaches us it shines a light on what not to do and uh, you can read in uh, particularly in the New Testament letters, well it's there in the whole Bible but if you focus uh, your attention for a short while on the letters to Timothy and Titus, leaders, teachers given authority to teach in as much as they teach God's Word, that's what Paul urges them to do, teach the truth and correct error. And so if you or I find the Bible hitting up against the way we're thinking about ourselves or others or God, we shouldn't be surprised by it and we certainly shouldn't resist it. We should believe it. Remember when we were in John 14 last term, in fact uh, Tiffany mentioned it at the outset this morning, John 14 verse 15, Jesus says, If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father and He will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. Of course, even as I've just mentioned, uh, leaders and teachers like Titus and Timothy, so our leaders, so I as I lead, we're only we only have authority in as much as we're teaching God's word faithfully and so you should be people who check what your leaders say by having your Bibles open and checking is what they're saying God says, is that what he is saying from his word because it's from his word that he grows us and by us responding, by keeping his commands in his word, that we grow in life and maturity, the maturity of Jesus that we so wonderfully can receive. Now let me give you an example. Uh, The time is present day, and and I'm aware of this example because I've had some come to talk to me over the years, I imagine some who haven't talked to me, Uh, nonetheless, but of people in our church who think that teaching and promoting and being black and white uh, on this issue, on the issue that sexual activity is only for within marriage, that that's not really for them. Uh, We're not alone in this as a church either. When I talk with other church leaders, uh, they're having the same experience And without rehashing all the details of that issue in the Bible, it's clear the Bible speaks with one voice. Sex before marriage, sex with someone outside of your marriage, sex with someone of the same sex, even if our community labels it marriage, is not according to God's purposes. It's not for our good. It's an expression of sin rather than expression of belief. Now, if we went back 50 years in time and asked Bible-believing Christians what they thought of that, that that was a common experience in churches, wouldn't they be shocked? Even as they lived on the leading edge of our change in culture... The world around us has changed, moved so dramatically since then, it's like a tsunami washing over us. It's an alternative authority in conflict with God's authority, but many Christians are allowing themselves to be drowned in it. It's at that point, I should say, because, you know, someone will ask, like, you Christians seem to be obsessed with sex, and Roger's brought it up again today. But actually, it's not we who are obsessed with it, it's actually the world around us, which is why we have to keep pushing back against it. And Christians younger in age are deceived into thinking the way it is now is the way it's always been. And when God's Word, when Jesus in the Gospels, when they say, believe in Him, that actually is the same as saying, obey Him. Trust Him. Follow His commands. If you love Him, you obey His commands. Obey Him by acknowledging His Lord with authority to rule. Obey Him by aligning your thoughts and actions with that same rule. Maybe we've been too reluctant to challenge each other to obey Jesus. Perhaps we find it confusing, hard to fathom how obedience and love go together and yet they do. And I'm not just talking about... Uh, sex and marriage, it's everything. Maybe we need to use the language of obedience more often. Maybe I need to. Maybe we need to ask each other, how are you going as a disciple of Jesus? How are you going at obeying Jesus? And that's not to say that if we've sinned, that we can't be forgiven. Obeying Jesus can only flow out of being loved and forgiven by Jesus. But to deny God's word or make excuses that justify our actions, well, the Bible warns us that going down that path leads to placing our very salvation in jeopardy. The Bible is so authoritative and so powerful. Not only does it bring the the marvellous message of the Gospel to us, but in bringing it, it sheds a light on your sin and on mine as well. And so I need to pray for God's Spirit to open my eyes to where I need to be corrected. Even now as I've turned to God and believing in Him, And in answer to that prayer, I know this already. This is an example from my life. I know I need to repent of becoming frustrated and angry when circumstances don't fit my plans. I need to confess that sin and repent of that sin and pray for God's powerful word to train me in righteousness. What is it for you? What's the next step for you to take today as we hear God's Word? Perhaps it's sin you need to confess, an action from which you need to repent. Maybe, and wonderfully too, it's growth for which you can give thanks to God And together we can celebrate. All scripture is God breathed. And is useful for teaching. Rebuking. Correcting and training in righteousness. So that the servant of God. May be thoroughly equipped. For every good work. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you that your word brings life. And as we hear it, as we reflect upon it, as we meet you in it, we pray that you would so work in us by your Spirit that we recognize your authority in Scripture and respond rightly to it. Give us your grace, we pray to live the lives which you intended us to live, growing more and more like Jesus, our great elder brother in the faith, through whom you have saved us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Next week, we're going to be exploring some of the common alternatives uh, to the Bible's authority that people uh, uh, bring up against it. And we'll see why the Bible in fact supplies all we need for a life of knowing God.